Thank you for joining us on our first show of Lot Party. Now, let me get you a little background on the name. If you've been in a, in a car dealership at any point in time, you understand what a Lot Party is. You know, when we all gather up and go on that lot and start moving cars around, either we're moving the trucks to the back and the cars in the front, or we got a big incentive on a particular make and model, and we're putting those in the front, or we're moving cars that are getting stale and not getting any traction, put them into the hot spot of the lot, or maybe we're even, uh, in this time of year, other than the warmness, there's a lot of snow. Maybe we've got to clean up the lot and move things around. So if you've been in, on a physical lot at a dealership, you, if you've been a salesman or porter, you know what a lot party is. And let's get everybody together and stir up that lot. And what we want to take this show, though, is on that virtual lot. I want to talk about the virtual lot where most people are shopping anyways. I want to talk about how we can stir up that virtual lot. We're going to move that inventory around to start getting better exposure on it, new and used. And, or maybe we just have an aging problem like snow and we just got to clean up an issue. So this show is all about helping dealers with some best practices that you can implement that won't cost you anything. We might be referencing any vendors or anything like that, but one, I want to let all my viewers know I don't take bird dogs. Any references to any vendor at all just happens to be some vendors that maybe we're comfortable with that we've used before, but no promotion pieces here at all. No commercializing anything. I don't collect bird dogs. I'm not here to push anything. So my goal is with this show is bring you good content. We're going to be interviewing dealers. We're going to be talking to dealers that do this stuff live day in and day out. We're going to be, um, again, going over some best practices that you can implement today that you'll see instant results, okay? And, and then also be able to uh, give you some insights on actual dealers and what they're struggling. So some of these upcoming shows are going to be, we're going to go over um, upcoming shows. The next one's going to be about photography and photos. Indoor versus outdoor. We're actually going to send a crew member out live to a dealership that has a studio. We're going to give some tips on how to do better pictures. We're going to give you some examples of bad pictures indoor and outdoor and, and, and shaded areas and sunny areas and what we can do better with it. We're also going to do a show with dealers in small markets. They have different struggles than dealers in, in large markets. Go over, if you happen to be a small dealer, it's going to be a great episode. We're also going to go and have an episode about um, a Highline dealer that's trying to do Velocity. There's a big difference in some domestic stores doing Velocity versus a Highline store when you've got big added cost and certification and things like that. I also want to bring in a dealer that, you know, we talk about data all the time and he just wants the nuts and bolts. You know, I, it's great all these reports, but give me the data that matters. So we're going to give you good, relevant content with dealerships that are in the trenches all the time. And, and bring those episodes to you. But this episode, I want to talk about new cars. There's a lot of activity out there. A lot of dealerships been effectively managing their used cars. And with new cars, it's kind of um, second wind when it comes to the Internet. A lot of times we just are second nature or the stepchild. A lot of times, and what I mean by that, because, again, we're a franchise store, and I understand we're, we're promoting a lot of new cars. But online, there's a lot of dealers that don't even photo new Online, there's a lot of dealers that advertise MSRP or kind of a set it and forget it strategy. Um, they don't do comments. Uh, they rely on OEM manufacturers incentives to move their inventory. And I think dealerships are missing huge opportunities. We've been working with um, dealerships. My company, Lot Pop, again, I'm not promoting. I just, again, give you some background on where my information is coming from. We work with dealerships on new cars, and we're seeing phenomenal opportunities out there. And I want to go over some of those things that we do with our dealerships that you can do right now. You don't need our services, just stuff that you can do right now to help you improve your operations. And I'm going to interview a dealer where he's actually doubled his turn. Here's his chart here of a before and after on turn. 
Then what we've done with his inventory, I'm gonna give you some strategies right now, is one thing that we've done with his inventory is a flat pricing. We've gotten off of a set it and forget it strategy on new. Here's what I mean by that. You have a back-end tool, maybe you have dealer.com, maybe you have a Viato or another inventory management tool where you can say, give me pricing life cycles and I want to take all my Ford F-150 XLT four-wheel drives and price them 200 over invoice minus rebates. And you set up those strategies and the system will automatically push that data out and price those cars for you. And that's why I mean a set it, forget it. And yeah, you probably go in there and make adjustments, let's get more aggressive on this, make the model, or let's do this on that. But ultimately it's kind of a set it and forget it or you just do MSRP out there. And with that though, going back to flat pricing, here's where you're missing opportunities. Let's say uh, the invoice on a Toyota Camry is 21287 and you have a thousand dollar, so you're going to advertise an invoice minus the thousand dollar rebate. Well it then takes that car and puts it out there at 21,000 or 20,287. Now I have a car at 20,287. I suggest, again, if you, can, if you want to get more aggressive with that car, one, but try to get that to a flat price of $20,000. If you can drop that just a couple hundred bucks, you're going to get tons more exposure. You're going to be able to pick up people that are looking online, like autotraderandcars.com, that says, hey, I want a 20 grand car. They might think they can only afford a used car, but now here all of a sudden is a brand new car that they can afford. And if they max out their, their budget at 20 grand and we're at 20,002, we're missing those searches. So I'm going to give you some snapshots here. One, here's how some of these major uh, sites do pricing buckets. Here's an auto trader example. Auto trader will do $1,000 buckets all the way to 20 grand, and then they do $2,000 increments up to 30 grand. So 22, 24, 26, 28, and 30. Once it hits 30, it goes 30, 35, 40, 45. I've seen new cars out there priced at $40,017 because of the set it and forget it. For that $17, you're gonna miss anybody that searches for a truck SUV up to 40 grand. Again, round those prices down. Cars.com, they do $1,000 increments all the way up to 30 grand, and then they do uh, the five grand increments. Car Gurus does the same thing as Auto Trader, starts a little early, but they start and then start doing those two grand increments too. So if you actually, in your own website, you might have 10 grand increments or five grand increments, five to 10, 10 to 15, Look at your website. Look at these autotradercars.com. Understand where pricing buckets and strategies can maximize exposure. So for an example, I know autotrader and car gurus have a 24 gram bucket. If we have a new car priced at 24,172, I can drop the 172, price it at 24 grand even. It's going to maximize exposure both on Auto Trader and Car Gurus for anybody that says, hey, I want a car up to 24 grand, or they might pick 24 to 26 grand searches and I maximize my exposure. So I think you understand that. I've done other, other pricing strategy um, uh, webinars on flat pricing. But that's one big example where dealerships aren't digging deeper. And if you look right here, I'm going to show you some graphs here of both SRPs and VDPs. The dealer I'm going to interview right now, these are his charts on his increase on SRPs and VDPs by applying that one strategy. But here's the other things that he's done to get these type of results. Is he's dug in and he's gotten better with his comments. He's no longer relying on the manufacturer's comments. He's digging in making sure if that car has roof and nav, He's putting that into the comments. 
And one of the things I, I emphasize with dealers on marketing cars is to get away from manufacturer terminology. If you have a Highline car, Lexus, Infinity, some of those Highline manufacturers count a sunroof as a moonroof. So if your car is out there being promoted as a moonroof, cars.com, for example, won't recognize that. Cars.com allows customers to type in what they want in the search for features. So if a customer types in sunroof, your moonroof car does not show up. So again, an example would be we have a person that's wanting an affinity, wants to spend 40 grand and wants a sunroof. Well, if we have it out there as a moonroof priced at 40172 we're missing that search by not rounding down one, but two, having it out there as a moonroof, not a sunroof. So dig deeper into how customers are searching for those features on that car. So not just making sure comments have sun, uh, moonroof in it, but sunroof slash moonroof, navigation slash nav slash GPS, or rear entertainment DVD player, not just rear entertainment, not just DVD player. We don't know how customers are searching. Again, I've done a, uh, a webinar on that or a quick tip on that. If you want some more information, get a hold of me on that info. So comments, flat pricing, and then photos. So essentially, you want to get your cars priced, photoed, and description no different than we did used. You want to focus on new, like you do used, price competitively to the market, round up or down. Once you flat price that car, though, you own it. Meaning most systems, and I work with a lot of dealers that use V-Auto's Conquest system. I know within their, their system, once you touch that car, you kind of own it. Or And now the rebates might change and, and update the pricing on it, but let's just say I take a car from 20002 and I round it down to twenty grand, and that works for now, but then the rebate changes and it takes my twenty grand and bumps it back up to 20005 because the rebate just changed. I'm going to have to reevaluate that car and see if I want to keep it at 20005 or drop it, and I'm going to reevaluate it by looking at day supply. I'm going to reevaluate it by looking at SRP VDP activity seeing if my searches are there, my BDPs are there, and then look at the competitive set and see how other dealers are pricing them, see how old it is, and I'm going to start making adjustments. I'm going to interview Brad Tyson. He's from Madisonville Toyota. He's doing a phenomenal job running that new car department and getting huge results. And one of the things we also talk about is you know holding costs. It does take some money to hold on to those cars a little bit longer. And what's the incentive of turning that inventory? Because a lot of dealerships will take new cars and just hold on to them because they don't depreciate. But they do when you consider holding costs. And he does a great deeper dive into what effects all this stuff is done for him. So without further ado, let's go right into that interview with Brad Tyson. All right, Brad, thank you for joining us. Uh, this is the first edition of Lot Party Show. Again, the design of Lot Party is no different than our physical lot. You know, uh, we have a lot party on our physical lot to move the inventory around, even to stir things up on our physical lot to help cars get sold. Or maybe we're out there cleaning up a mess. You might not have to worry about snow, but a lot of guys have to do a lot party, move inventory around to clean up a mess. So this show is designed to give dealerships some best practice on the virtual lot, stir that inventory up to hopefully market our cars better, or maybe even clean up a mess like aging. And what I want to do on this show is go over new car strategies, because there's a lot of talk out there about new cars, and there's a lot of products and software out there that can help you price your cars more effectively, uh, maybe in the back end set some pricing strategies out where the system can take pricing like invoice minus rebate, or 200 under or 200 over and push those pricing out. 
But um, you know, I went over a little bit before our interview here, Brad, about you know some of the things that dealerships can do to get some improvements, and these are things that you're already doing, Brad. And I wanted to one have an interview with a dealer actually applying these type of techniques to how it's affected uh, new cars. But first, uh, Brad, I'd like for you to kind of maybe go over you know how many you know what size is your dealership? How many new and used cars do you currently carry right now in your inventory? Well, we uh, we're selling about two thousand new and used a month. We run about one to one. As we as we've discussed in the past, I've found it more and more important to make sure that your descriptions are uh, right on and using uh, you know searchable words that Cars.com or AutoTrader may uh, have the customer search by in their search engine. Also, yeah. found it more importantly for uh, uh, photos on new cars, which was something okay. that I had to go through measure, monitor, and make sure it was a worthwhile investment. Okay. Um, so We also looked at pricing strategies. You, you mentioned invoice, under invoice. Um, looking at market day supply and looking at like mine, and really taking some of the things that we learned from provision and applying mm -hmm. those strategies to new cars. So just to make it clear now, you happen to use Viato, which is a um, software product. Well, Viato's Conquest tool, which actually provide information like you're saying, a like mine day supplier, similar vehicles, how fast are those moving in the market? They provide uh, pricing, what percentage MSRP, and things like that, correct? Correct. And it also yeah. gives you a competitive setup of 20 uh, dealers that you want to measure yourself against. And it's very important in my market because our population is only 26,000 people. Okay. And if you're selling a, 100 new cars a month, per se, um, or even 80, you know, it's more and more important for me to pull from the larger markets in, in my area, it's Bowling Green or Evansville, Indiana, which is, you know, every bit of 45 minutes, 50 minutes away from me. So even though I don't have that much direct competition, it's still uh, a, quite a task in order to make our virtual inventory look larger than life and uh, really reach out to those customers with making sure that uh, we're doing everything we can uh, when, they're, when they're doing their Google searches. Or they're searching for us, you know, for cars on Auto Trader that that we look different than than the norm. Okay. So again, now you have how many new, how many used, and then how many total do you sell a month on new and used? Are you talking about volume or what? What we stock? Uh, well, currently, what do you stock new and used? Uh, how many uh, new, new do you have in new, stock? New, I'll carry somewhere around 180 cars. That's both uh, Toyota, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram. Okay, um, and then used? All, the, all the franchises and then used I'll keep anywhere between 100 to 120 if you want to count wholesale. All right. And then how many do you sell on new and then used? Uh, we have Retail. 850 new sold for the year and uh, just looking it up right here on used we have 978 so okay. thus far for the year. All right, excellent. So that's a great job and then again some of the strategies uh, that you're talking about um, you know what you're talking about pulling some people what is your current market you said 20 something thousand in your market and you're able to pull for some other markets yeah and whenever you you look at population around here we're, we're measured by county so we have 26,000 in our county our median income is around forty two thousand dollars per household okay uh, so we have to pull from larger markets our average credit score is somewhere in the 670s and like I said, we just we, we have to pull from from markets that have a little bit better median income, and also mm -hmm. you know markets that that uh, that can allow us to sell this amount of cars. 
Now, when I talk to smaller dealers, um, helping them with new cars and used cars, that's some of the strat- uh, struggles that they mention is, you know, I, it's hard for me to pull from those markets. And one of the things I mentioned to them, and I want you to tell me if it rings true for you, is my goal isn't so much pulling them in as much as I don't want my customer shopping them and driving to them to buy the car. I don't want to miss my own customer. So I still got to compete because like I said, well, I can't compete with those guys or I don't want to because they're too aggressive. But my point to them is, yeah, you might not be able to pull that customer half an hour, an hour to drive to you when they can get as good or maybe a little bit more better deal locally. I just don't want my current customers to be going out to them. Has that kind of been a little bit of your strategy and have you been able to do both? Yeah, I have been able to do both. And, um, you know, we still have that small town um, culture to where people, it, they go shopping in larger markets. You know, they, when you have a lot more people, me coming from a larger market in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, we tend to run through more people than what we had to. So, yeah. you know, being in a smaller market, applying the small dealership mentality, a lot of customers like to come here. Um, you know, in, even though we may not have the volumes of inventory, um, you know, that, that that's definitely one of the strategies. And one of the ways that I analyze that is just Google Analytics and uh, using DOM 360, you know, where customers mm-hmm. are coming in. Are, am I taking care of my my current population and am I pulling away from other other markets? Okay, okay. Um, now, I talked a little bit about, you, and you brought it up, approaching new a little differently and one of the things i bring up is you know start treating it like used and you know one of the biggest change i I would like to kind of know you know what some of the biggest and maybe even smallest changes that you've done that made the biggest impact on new i think and i I mentioned a little bit before our segment here is treating new like used doing pricing reviews talk a little bit about flat pricing doing uh, attacking cars all you know because of their underperformance with SRP or VDP or attacking them because the competitive set is so huge. And again, we're using that data that we see out of the system like Viato. We're not here to promote a system. It just happens to be used Viato. I deal with clients like yourself that use Viato. So we're going to use some of those reference points. But you know, what's maybe either the biggest or smallest difference that you've done that made the biggest impact, would you say? Well, initially it was making sure that my uh, DMS was clean. Uh, I didn't realize that that... I figured that once you once a vehicle was put into the system that it decoded and it was kind of a set it and forget it. But what I realized is, is that our DMS was all messed up. So once we got that cleaned up, the, the first biggest step um, was making sure that, that my descriptions were, were unique. Um, okay. And then making sure that they made sense because if you, if you just go into provision as people mostly work in and you just push generate, and you really take time and you read the description, they're terrible, you know? Yeah. And then, you know, you turn around and you look at flat-based pricing, how you can actually search, uh, search on cars and how you can search on Auto Trader, and trying to make the best decision, uh, maximizing the amount of, of profit that you can, uh, but still maximize the search results. Uh, and then the third thing that we did was photos. Photos really shot up our SRP and VDP. Um, and those three things alone take a lot of time and we want to treat our used cars like on hard you know a lot of dealers have hard turns and this and that and I've heard it all my whole career where a new car doesn't necessarily depreciate well that's that's untrue (laughs) so what you have to do is on the new car side is um, treat every new car differently color equipment 
model, you know, all of those things come into play whenever you're pricing a car. Yeah. If you don't have the right color car and it's got a high like mine day supply, you know, then you gotta you gotta come out of the gate pretty strong with it. But if you got a car that's kind of rare within the market, then you can come out pretty light with it with the most amount of uh, of profit margin. You know, and I think that's so true because a lot of new car shoppers do educate them pretty educate themselves pretty well with packagings and things like that. So they might know that hey, I, you know, I like a black one with a sunroof, but with that, I might have to get a premium package or a limited package. And if you don't have that one in your DMS, sometimes that doesn't filter into your website back end or whatever inventory tool you use or your V-Auto to have that pushed out. So you got to manually touch those cars, put those type of features in. So when they do do that search, you're able to, to get those out there. So yeah, DMS feed's got to be right. Then once the data is in the system, push it out to get the comments right because some sites like autotradercars.com, they're going to look at that description. And then of course the photos definitely help. Now the um, we talked about flat pricing. Um, and again, that's putting at 20 grand. And you know, not hiding anything. Me and you work together. One of the things that we work together with on, on dealers and yourself is that holding cost. Yeah, car, new cars don't depreciate it, but there's that holding cost between floor plan and, and, and all your expenses. You know, dealers can run 20, 30, 40, 50 bucks a day on holding cost. So if you hold on to that car for, you know, more than, shoot, I did uh, 60 days at 25 bucks, cost the dealer $1,500 in holding costs. But with that, you know, what does the manufacturer, the OEMs, you know, what, what helps or hurts have they done? Um, I know we'll talk a little bit here in, in a minute about Toyota switching to not allowing dealerships to advertise on their invoice going to 2016. But before we get into that, you know, how has the OEMs and manufacturers helped with, like, um, you know, bonus monies and allocations and stuff of turning that inventory? It's not just the depreciation holding costs, but you also get some added push from the manufacturers you turn it fast. How how's that helped or hurt you with the manu both well, what I noticed is whenever we very first started this about seven months ago, um, my I never really looked at new car turns uh, as seriously as I did on the used car side. So if you're my my average turns back then was around five or six and it, it hovers around twelve or thirteen now. So yeah, if you're doubling your turn, then you're doubling your wholesale receipt, which goes straight to the bottom line. Um, so it, it's it's a no-brainer. It's no different than anything else. If you're paying attention to your turns, you're paying attention to your aging, and you're you're you you know you're you're turn you're getting rid of those cars as they as they get as our goal is right now 120 days, and we only have six over by the way, nice. um, <laughs> over over 90 actually. And and I think when we first started talking about this, we were we were trying to say. I, I said, you know, Jason, the first goal is to be 120. The second goal is going to be 90 cars. So yeah. we're starting now to talk about, you know, cars reaching the 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 time, you know, basically the time to go, uh, and uh, the, at, at the end of their shelf life. And mm -hmm. paying attention to that has increased our wholesale receipts, and it makes my makes my owner really happy. Nice. Now you have Chrysler franchise with Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. You also have Toyota. Now, Chrysler Dodge Ram, you still have the flexibility of pricing strategies of where you want. And again, we talk about flat pricing, so it gets going to get a little bit tricky as Toyota flips over, and there's Honda dealers, and I think Acura does the same thing, where they regulate what the dealerships can advertise the cars for. Toyota's going to switch to can't advertise under invoice, so flat pricing becomes a little trickier because as the rebates come in, as our invoices, let's say, 
um, 21.2, and we get a thousand dollar rebate. It's going to put it online at 21.2 or 20,000.2 after that thousand dollar rebate. We can't round it down to 20 grand to maximize the exposure. So there is going to be some, I guess, tricks going into next year with that. Um, there could be some holdbacks, but do you think of anything else, um, you know, with that type of, uh, you know, holdback or, or type of strategy for dealers that might have to be doing that kind of thing? Um, I, I believe I that we still approach it, but uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I, I think if we're having the discussion about flat base and getting as close as possible uh, to reach that, to, 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 to get the maximum reach with, with a customer the way that they search, uh, we're in the same playing boat as anybody or as anybody else. So if they mm -hmm. can only do 20,002, we can only do 20,002. So it doesn't matter if we can hit the 20 bucket. We might change our strategy and go to the cars.com or go to the auto trader and and increase it to 21. Uh, yeah. We're going to do the best we can, but I, I have to believe that a lot of dealers out there are not having this conversation. Uh, yeah. They're either going, they're, they're used to blanket pricing, and they're going to have to change their strategy totally. Uh, I, I really feel like, especially on the Toyota and well, even the Chrysler side, that they're not paying attention to their descriptions. They're not yeah. paying attention to photos. For the most part, I'm not saying all of them are, but I can yeah. tell you in my market, they're not. They're blanket pricing folks or they're MSRP. 200-day-old, 300-day-old MSRP cars just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Not only so, do we look at it this way, but you know, whenever you're talking about stocking the right vehicles, you use the competitive insight on the Conquest tool as well. And yeah. you, know, you can go in there and you can say, okay, well, what series and what model and what color, with a roof, without a roof, sells the most because you can pull up the last 45 days recent sales. And then you can look at what's active in the market and you can strategize what you're going to stock or how you're going to BOS change your car to, to get more customers through your door, I guarantee you most people are not doing both. They're, yeah. they're either doing one right or they're not doing both right. And that's amazing. And that's where I kind of bring up the beginning of this whole segment is treating new like you. The way you're digging in, the way you're getting deeper into these cars and, and drilling down. Again, I think a lot of dealerships understand it the way they do on used. I know there's a lot of dealerships who still need to get better on used. Um, and, but you got to take the same concept to new as you do use. Now, what kind of commitment? I only got a couple questions left and we'll wrap up here. But what kind of commitment does it take? I mean, obviously, you mentioned some of the things you do, but, you know, everything's just changed in this industry. And if you're not adapting to this change in new cars, I think it's, it, you're going to suffer, like you're saying. But it is a commitment. And, and tell me about it's that. A, I mean, it, it, it's a culture change, one. Uh, you, your desk management has to understand what you're doing. They have to understand turn rates on new. Uh, they have to understand that when they get that dealer trade call, how do they use the tool to be able to uh, get the right unit back? Um, you know, in in the auto wants to sell the 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 conquest tools to set it and forget it, and that's that's a bad sale. It's not true. You know, it, it, as far as the commitment, it's an everyday commitment. Sometimes it's ten minutes, and sometimes it's an hour and a half uh, okay. for one individual to go in, touch each and every car, look at look at at it like you would a used car from day one, uh, checking the checking photos, checking descriptions, checking your pricing, checking, you know, is this a 400-day, you know, uh, like-mine day supply car, and then pricing it right out of the gate as strongly as you can within that market and your competitive set. 
yeah, and strong I, commitment from one person for sure. And, and not to go any deeper, but I know, you know, us on the back and digging through a lot of that stuff with you, I know physically on that lot it's a lot more work, and you guys do a great job at that. So kind of wrap it up. If there's one tip that you can give dealers out there as far as approaching that inventory, you know, between flat price and photo description, we could do them all. But if that's one thing that you would give them, what would that one tip be? Um, have a dedicated individual that's going to look at it on a daily basis and commit to a process. Um, tweak that process with with uh, people that are going behind, such as such as you, doing that internet internet lot walk, uh, making making sure your virtual inventory looks just as good as your lot as far as merchandising, um, and and just having that buy-in and, and commitment from from your management staff. From there, it's pretty easy. You know, uh, information is, is all over the place, but for some reason a lot of us just don't use it. Yeah. And I appreciate that because that's one of the things I talk about a lot. It's, it's that process management. I mean, it, it, it process. I know dealerships, processes come and go. It's just a matter of they stick around when you have somebody managing and monitoring it. And as long as you can create some kind of process, like you're talking about photos, descriptions, get them online, but just make sure you manage and monitor it. Like, and that's what you're able to do, and that's where you're able to get that success. Absolutely. All right. And I appreciate your time. Again, thanks for being on the first show. I think this is a great topic. Again, it's out there. Not a lot of people are talking about it, and you're doing a phenomenal job, and I appreciate you sharing some of your, your insight right. and wisdom on the great job you're doing. Thank you, Jason. Thanks, Brad. Talk to you later. All right, man. That was a great interview with Brad, and I hope you enjoyed this first show. I hope you got some good content from it. Join us next week where we're going to have somebody on site at a dealership taking photos in the studio. We'll give you some good photo tips. See you next week, next Thursday at 2.30 Eastern. Thanks.